If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. Today, it's July 3rd, Wednesday. And we still don't know where Kawhi Leonard is going. But we do know everything else that has happened, where everyone else has signed. Um, all the big free agents, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. I'm just extremely, extremely happy. I'm sitting across from Andrew Ramondi, who's joining me on this podcast again as we're reviewing Less than a week later, right? Is it? Uh, yeah. yeah. It feels like we were here er, very, fairly recently. It was post. Uh, I'd have to go and see, but it it was around, around a week ago, a week and a half max. I would say that we previewed the podcast or er, previewed free agency. And, and I can't believe you didn't say your your trademark phrase because truly, it's all crazy. the craziness it has <laughs> has it happened. It has been crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and I'll say crazy again just for the heck of it, but I just can't believe the speed as to which everything happened because June 30th, once six, six o'clock hap or hit Eastern time. Yeah. Woj was just dropping bombs. <laughs> like he was like, it was crazy yeah. how many, how many tweets he was tweeting out. I just couldn't believe the the speed as to how everything was happening well, and how everything was lined up. Well, yeah, I agree. It is important to, because it it is it's now it's because the last day or so has been quiet as we kind of wait for Kawhi. Like I think it it almost seems like further in the rearview mirror than it actually is. But I think it's important to say that kind of there was a lot of there was a lot of pre-agency kind of buzz going on. Like we knew Kyrie Irving was signing with your new, um, Brooklyn Nets by the night before July, like by that June 30th, that night, right. The KD stuff came out around three or so. So there was even stuff, you know, it was like that whole day, you know, was pretty much a constant stream of stuff. I was at a family party and I think from like, like from, whatever it was at noon started at noon and went to like we got home around six or so like at that point you know by then you know everything was kind of happening like right, you right. said the fl floodgates were opening and then by the time the d'angelo russell trade happened that night you know that was like that was like the cap root of what was probably the craziest day in nba history yeah like, that was like midnight pure, when it in happened in terms of pure like player tr movement and stuff like that like it's so funny we talked about um when we were talking like about the free like free agency last week we were saying you know i was kind of harping on this idea of like how hard it is to talk about it because we really don't know what's going to happen like and i kind of predicted maybe more stability than and that wasn't the case that at all that just went but all out the window but yeah. i do think my point about not knowing is true because it is like there was a lot of like it shows that in the age of Woj and stuff like that, some things like I'm rambling, opening with a trademark ramble. Like <laughs> you usually don't get this like five minutes in, but I was just thinking like you kind of contrast like what happened with KD and uh, and uh, Kyrie, which kind of like obviously it took a turn 
as time went on, like, there was, like, Nick's buzz and blah, blah, blah. But, like, in the last week, it felt like we're getting there. We're headed towards this. We're headed towards this. Obviously, as a Nets fan, I'm sure you're never sure until you're sure. But everything seemed to be trending that way. And then by the time 6 o'clock hit, it went that way. On the other hand, there were these other kind of off-the-wall crazy things and it felt like more off the wall craziness than yeah we're just than like we expected there almost. were definitely and we knew there was a lot of uh, opportunity for that so. right and there were like text exchanged between us and we we're just like he signed where what like he signed for how much money did yeah. he sign? like there was just a lot of that stuff past like i would say the once because Katie ended up like that announcement came out like you were saying around three four o'clock before the six o'clock official time started and then once like we had a couple hours to digest that from there there was just stuff that I would say maybe not the star one a type guys but like no, maybe but there was like a the pretty constant stream of like those and i think that was the partial surprise and this is something i didn't mean to cut you off no, but no, this yeah. is something that's been said but i think i can usually the nba works like if it may for us this seems fairly evident but if someone who's like more of a casual observer usually free agency works in last year the first day almost nothing happened because you're waiting for those top tier guys to fall and the kind big of dominoes a domino right, right. effect this time we kind of had like two of three dominoes fall immediately and then we saw those second tier starter level two fringe star types kind of all fall into place very quickly, be it Chris Middleton, you know, to your J.J. Reddicks, to your uh, Bogdanoviches. Julius Randle. Yeah, <laughs> Julius Randles. Everyone kind of went, despite Kawhi not signing, and that, I think, was fairly, you know, that's not necessarily far par for the course, but I think there were so many teams with money outside of that Knicks, Clippers, you know, range of people who are vying for the stars that they're like, let's just go and like get our guys now. And I think we saw that and I really enjoyed it. Like I, I thought it was a lot of fun, you know, and now like we're just kind of sitting twiddling our thumbs a little bit. But yeah, yeah, we're uh, sitting here on Wednesday, July 3rd, wi just wi basically waiting for Kawhi to make his decision. And once Kawhi makes his decision, there's nothing really left yeah. besides maybe Boogie Cousins mm -hmm. that's somewhat of an intriguing type of player that I'd be curious to see where he goes. But other than those two players, everyone else from star players to, I guess, like rotation guys and even back end guys were like yeah. filling out the bench I and mean, like more minimums have been signed than usual, I would right. say. Or like those, you know, like normally I feel like it would take a few days for, like, Corey Joseph to get signed right, or right. something like that. Not that Corey Joseph is a bad player, but all of those things have happened, and we've even seen usually there's kind of more of a restricted free agent dance that takes place, and there are some restricted free agents left. Right. But th even those kind of deals fell into place relatively quickly as well. Yeah, and I, I think, like, the one, I guess, big big takeaway from all of this and the timing aspect of it is to kind of like look back into history and like just show how expedited this process was and how condensed it was because a couple years ago I would maybe five years ago whenever LeBron signed with yeah he waited till July 11th 
to yeah. make his decision, and it's July 3rd right now. Can you imagine waiting another week on Kawhi possibly just, like, taking this out for another no. whole week? Yeah, you're It would just right. be crazy. You're right, and something I'm thinking is, like, I, you, everyone likes to be, like, ha-ha-ha NBA tampering and kind of, like, treat it as, not like we really care that much, but... Like, it is something I feel like we see as this kind of stupid slash annoyance. But in reality, all of these things being in place kind of allowed for that excitement. You know what I mean? Right. That these players, if they're kind of having more backroom channel deals and stuff like that, it allows for, like, you know, we don't need LeBron James to meet with six teams and, like, take a sweet-ass time. Things are just kind of we're ready for everything to go down as soon as as soon as the moratorium starts. Right. Especially with the max guys, because they know they're getting the max. And yeah. let's get into like let's get into some of the specific yeah. moves. Tomas Sadaransky. No, I'm just <laughs> right, kidding. Right. Yeah. Like who else do you want to throw <laughs> in there? Right. Um, but like even with the KD stuff, and this is one of the more interesting storylines that I wanted to get into. So KD uh-huh. ends up signing for the ma- uh, for the max with the Nets. Um, and that that was out fairly quickly. But then some of the news reports coming out after he s- ends up deciding on that agreement. And bef- I'm going to go on a little bit yeah, of a mini rant, rant as well. Before, I think, as, a, as we take a step back in terms of understanding where we are in the free agency process for some of the listeners that might not be super familiar with the NBA schedule, is that... This is this like kind of weird in between process of like players and teams agreeing to deals, but them not actually being signed to deals. So there's this moratorium process where teams and players can agree to deals up until July 6th, when that that's when you can officially sign a player. Um, to your team. So all these uh, deals that have been announced by Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams Charania, they're agreements that are tentative, like most likely, they're most likely going to happen, but there hasn't been ink to paper yet. So all these things are speculative. And like in terms of like all the numbers that are being thrown out there, they're true, but it's you just never know like what types of bonuses are gonna happen, things like that. Incentives. Incentives, thing and like the timing of the deals, because that has an important role in whether or not player players can be signed um into cap space using using different exceptions um that are sometimes way over my head as a as a NBA fan as yeah, well. Yeah, I we're not necessarily cap guys. I would say right, that's right. our one probably. We'll probably thing g- we legitimately don't know that right, much we're, about. Right, we're probably going to get more I'll I'll try to get more well versed <laughs> into that. Um so anyways, what I really wanted to get into was like the interesting stories that were kind of coming out and like you I've kind of seen this like happen these these past couple of days especially with the KD stuff and him signing with the Nets for the max for the max deal and then the Knicks kind of coming out and saying like basically releasing this press report and saying hey we weren't going to offer KD the max and this report was coming out because of his because of the health of his Achilles and we weren't sure if it was worth offering him that 
amount of money and then going out and signing three power forwards in the span of like two hours for a combined $100 million. I have to say, Kevin, I'm slightly disappointed. This is your, you can't accept that the Nets are big time. We can't talk about KD and Kyrie Irving are going to the Nets. We have to turn to the Knicks immediately. I know. And, and but, uh, no, I agree. I, I, I totally, I kind of get where, where you're going that, like, this narrative spinning as it was happening was interesting. And I think that might also be part and parcel with, like, things happening earlier. You know what I mean? Everyone right. wants to get in their quick reactions right away. I mean, if we're going to go down this, thi- I, I don't really believe it. I don't think I think basically what happened is KD I don't know if he had these back like if he had kind of backroom meetings or stuff like that my guess is just that like basically KD decided pretty early on he wasn't going to the Knicks didn't meet with them and the Knicks it's possibly true that they weren't planning to offer him the max but I either see it as kind of basically sour grapes being like well we weren't going to offer you the max anyway so haha or kind of, uh, well, we never got the chance, but we wouldn't have done it anyway. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I I didn't see it as that big of a story. I, I definitely saw it as interesting, but it is kind of a fun... Uh, the other thing they did, which is very funny, they didn't put out a release necessarily saying they weren't going to offer him the max, but that story leaked, and then they put out this weird press release saying, like, we know Knicks fans may oh, yeah. be, like, disappointed in yeah. the... In the outcome of tonight but like you know we're working to it was just this weird bizarre acknowledgement that like yeah they we failed didn't, yeah, yeah we failed basically that this whole ca- and you know now you look back on the porzingis trade and you think like uh well it kind of wasn't really worth it you know i this is kind of going without saying that they basically r- went for this big gamble it failed completely they don't have zion williamson on their team they don't have anthony davis anthony davis don't have no No all the players they don't have wayne ellington they do have on their team and actually i don't want to go here yet i would like to go back to the nets i actually think their strategy other than maybe randall hasn't been that bad and we can talk about that later on but uh yeah as new jersey guys it is you know the, the failure of the Knicks, I feel like, looms large for us. And a thing we were talking about the night before, and then I really would like to pivot to the Nets because I want to yep, let yep. you have your moment of celebration. I think we can put the – and this was happening, I think we had this conversation ourselves bef- the day before, like, all the kind of KD stuff started to come out. Like, is the mystique of the Knicks – like, is the Knicks free agents – they can get big free agents, Over. and it's just yeah. a matter of time, dream – slash thing over and i say yes at least as long as james dolan is their owner i think the combination i think it's a confluence of things i think it's and i said to you when's the last time the knicks truly like we as people who grew up around here and i'm sure most nba fans do feel this way but we grew up feeling like oh the knicks are this magical historic franchise like the reality is they really haven't had that much success since like the 80s it's not like the lakers where like they've had a lot of success and they've also won championships fairly recently you know as bad as their last few years have been right, it's right. not like they ha- you know so i think that combines with like a bunch of other things the in the cr- increased ability to market outside of a big market and just the fact that and i think the 
combination, especially the Nets are a kind of now a unique situation where they're in that good marquee metro like city, ends you can point at like a well managed team with like a better chance to kind of support success going forward. Mm -hmm. So I think more and more we're seeing and will continue to see these kind of young players and there will always be people who are different we can talk about jimmy butler later like as i'm looking at this thing i'm like like looking at the blazers training for hassan Whiteside, and i'm like it's gonna be like hour five before we even get yeah to i know that. it's because gonna so be crazy like kemba walker like i feel like all these things have gone that's completely like under hour the radar. three yeah i know it's it's wild but uh I, I you know i just think like I hope that we don't have to now. I think the good thing that's come out of it is, like, we're not going to pivot immediately to Giannis to the Knicks or something. Yeah. Like, I think we finally are going to kind of learn from from history like a little we've, bit here. We've accepted the fact that the Knicks can attract any... like, Or they well, can, but they can attract it just by... The idea that they can just attract them by virtue of being the Knicks right, like, right. is absolutely The dead. mystique of being the New York Knicks isn't there yes. anymore. It's just they have to be a normal franchise yeah. and build yes. a competent Agreed. team Agreed. and have competent uh, a, f a competent front office Agreed. to attract free agents. And then from there, maybe that mystique of being in New York comes back because they have uh, competency all around uh, throughout their organization. So as we flip, I'd like to flip that exactly. idea on you because I would like you to let, I would like to give you a chance to, to rant kind of and not rant, but like given that, let's lay out as the Nets, as someone who's been following the Nets for a long time, why don't you explain to me, like give me your narrative of like how did we get here from like, you know, the Paul Pierce trade and like not having first round picks. Like, what wh as this was as kind of these news wires were coming across the board like was your feeling more were you able to put things in perspective immediately and i would like for you to give me some perspective on this if you can but i'd also kind of like to hear your or were you just like fuck yeah we got two superstars well, and kind there, of that there was that it. so there was that immediate reaction of like holy shit we actually got Kevin Durant and Kyrie, which was honestly a pipe dream probably even a, a year ago and or six months ago. Like yeah, I would say like so. even like I'm just thinking a of month like ago. Bill like, Simmons floating it on his podcast. Like why wouldn't K D go to Brooklyn like three months you know what I mean? Like I felt like it was not a crazy idea but like a fringe idea as of like three months ago it was just and then weird. in the past two weeks like i'm suddenly texting you being like oh bavada has like the nets right, right. as the like the favorite, favorite and i was KD. like and i was kind of perplexed when you sent me that because i was like what switched other than having like insider info and yeah. all that type of stuff but i mean my initial initial reactions were just excitement because the Nets haven't been able to ever sign a big free agent like that. It's it's never happened. It's always been through trades and smart like dealings in that way. And being even from the early two thousands when they were able to get Jason Kidd, you know, um, smart drafting and drafting Richard Jefferson, Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin was a first round or er, first pick overall, or like even being able to like 
package deals for Vince Carter and things like that. So it was always through trades and not being able to entice these big name free agents to New Jersey. And then now in Brooklyn, it wasn't like their brain. And, and it always felt like being a Nets fan was being sec- playing second fiddle to being a Knicks fan, yeah. even though the Knicks never had that type of success that you alluded to earlier in the podcast. So over the past like five, six years, it's been this kind of tumultuous journey to kind to get to the point that Katie and Kyrie are on this team together now and DeAndre Jordan and who else you want whoever else you want to throw in there. But it's it's just mind boggling to think about even in comparison to the Boston Celtics and how the media looked at that deal probably three years in and said, wow, Boston basically ripped off Brooklyn, was so smart, Danny Ainge getting all this praise and all this type of stuff, all the, uh, all the picks, all the um, pick swaps, things like that. And yes, at the, at the time, they were good de- it, it was a great deal for Boston, and the Nets looked really freaking dumb dumb for doing it i don't forgive billy king for any of all the all the stuff that and they i did. thank billy king because actually the gerald wallace trade yep. netted the blazers damian, damian lillard so. right right so like there it was just like a lot of recounting of like man we could have had damian lillard we could have had all these different types of guys drafted but i think the key point of all that was hiring sean marks yeah. And being able to have this patient, long-term play. And I think it was expedited, honestly, by the development of these young yeah. talents. Like, Karis LeVert, to choose him in, I think he was 20th 20. overall. Yeah. And for him to be able to be chosen that late in the draft and pr- potentially be an all-star type of player... And him being developed, think about getting sh- someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, who is basically just like off the scrap off the heap. Sc- yeah, off the scrap heap, and turned into probably like one of the best like sixth men in the league. Probably on one of the best contracts in the NBA right, right, right. now. Too. He has three more years left at like ten million dollars, ten or eleven million dollars. Joe Harris, same same exact deal. Yep. Shooter can get open like. They found roles for some of these some of these guys that had no business of kind of coalescing into this team that pushed for the playoffs last year. And I think a lot of media members have kind of reported this and alluded to this to this and how that type of team building and team development really attracted Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come back um, to Brooklyn and be like, hey, we're this is something that we're really attracted to all these young guys developing and you saw the joy um there's like a bunch of memes out there of the nets bench celebrating their playoff run last year 
Um, that's a classic of Theo Pinson right. doing the little uh, thing. I can't the like, little Cotton Eye Joe right. type step. Yeah, 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 that's a classic. So, so it's just like all of these things coming together, and this is just the pinnacle of all the all the stuff that ended up happening and the confluence of everything yeah. happening I and coming together. I and it, yeah. yeah, keep going, keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, and I mean that's pretty much all I wanted to say, other than. I really thank you, sh- <laughs> thank Sean Marks yeah. for for putting all of this yeah. together, and I also have to kind of credit the ownership group um, in that they didn't push for this immediate success, and they learned from their failures in that. Well, they did push for immediate well, success. Well, they did, right, right. But then after, and it they is important learned. to admit that ownership is now going to change from kind of the Prokhorov Russian group to this Josai Chinese Chinese. Yeah. Group, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they take a more hands-off approach or, or what. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to point out that, yeah, you did say they learned from their mistakes, but yeah, yeah, it should. And it took Prokhorov, I think, being basically removed, possibly as the. I think his role within the was organization. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he was like the. Yeah, yeah. So but other, so other than that, yeah, like now you see all these things coming together and this is where you can maybe take a look at what the Knicks are going to try to yeah. do in the future and try to like put these little pieces together to see if they can actually build the team S- that maybe te- uh, free agents yeah. in the future are attracted to and want to come and play for. So I just want to kind of give my thoughts on like two things you mentioned and kind of from an outsider's perspective because I kind of have two competing thoughts. Like one is that like, this Nets thing has shown, like, to some extent, the fact that they're in a big market does matter. Like, th- if this were Utah building a team in the same way, like, would it have culminated in this? No. It probably could have led to success, but it probably would have been a slower period of growth. Probably you know what, what they're mean? doing right now. Yeah, exactly. But, um, or like a team like the Spurs or whatever. But... It's not like what I was thinking as you recounted all of that was like, on one hand, it's not that hard to like build a team the right way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to kind of be smart about your kind of analysis, whatever, take your shots when you can pick up guys when you know make these smart deals for people with upside. Dan, you didn't even mention D'Angelo Russell, who I think plays an incredibly important and maybe in the long run of things underrated role because he showed some ability for a quote-unquote star even if he's a low-end star arguably not even a star at all but you know showed this kind of like marquee type player what that would be like in New York um uh so yeah and you know, pick it, identifying your guys, your Leverts, your Dinwiddies, making making good trades. You know, uh, taking on money in exchange for future future assets. You right. know, identifying a guy like Damari Carroll and uh, p- picking the right role players, your Ed Davises, your Jared Dudleys, to be around this team, and just showing this kind, hiring a Kenny Atkinson and creating kind of like a good culture as opposed to the Knicks culture, whatever, if there even is one. So I wanted to say that on one hand. Like, every when you look back on everything they did in isolation, like, it's fairly common sense. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not like some hinky-esque... Like, like revolutionary Yeah, idea. like, where... No. or And it didn't take that long. Like, yes, they were terrible for, like, two or three years. I think it was, but, yeah, two and a half-ish yeah. years, yeah. But, like, it... 
you know, it wasn't like some endless slog. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I do have to say, I think there's some luck involved. And oh, totally. the acceleration is something that I think will be lost. The fact that the Nets weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year, you know, the fact that Lavert, you were able to hit on Lavert at 20, you know, and things of that nature. And I think those are the keys where I sure. talked about the process being expedited yeah. because of the Leverts yeah. and the Dinwiddies and, um, like, Joe Harris. Like, if you're not able to hit on those types of players and D'Angelo Russell and his development and progress over the past year or so if you're not able to hit on those and get extremely lucky on those then this process does take longer because let's say if two of those guys are just nothing players and basically supposed to be you know what Dinwiddie and Joe Harris are signed for are just back of the back of the bench type of guys then this doesn't really happen and they don't make the playoffs and they don't get they most likely don't get Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving at that point. So you do have to get lucky. And I think one of the big points that I wanted to make in general, and as I see like the the amount of contracts getting passed out throughout the league, is that and we've harped on this on this podcast in terms of being able to understand people's roles and players' roles and how and and basically how to develop those players and those skill sets um so that they're oh they're worth more than the value that they're being paid and i think a lot of times when it's really hard to develop that and conceptualize that especially when you have a guy that can do that but you're paying you're going to pay him 15 to 20 million dollars mm-hmm. whereas maybe there's that guy on the bench that maybe you can develop and you're paying nickels and pennies yeah. on the dollar, but if you develop him, he can far exceed the value of his contract. And that's just a lot harder to do, and that takes a lot more, I would say, luck and a lot of other stuff. Patience, Patience, sure. and, pr- and the process of all that goes. It's, it's a lot easier to just spend your cap space and your and your money on someone that already has it rather than having the patience, especially if you're a GM that doesn't have the time and the patience. Or the job security. And the job security to be able to do that. So there's a lot of factors that go into play. And that's kind of where I want that's where I wanted to credit like the ownership group when I was talking about that before in terms of learning from their mistakes yeah. and giving Sean Marks basically full control in terms of allowing him to do the things he's able to do and feel comfortable in that position. But other than that, I, I mean, like, I'm ecstatic with what the Nets have As done. As you should be. Yeah. And I, I want to hit on two things. I wanted to kind of just bounce two questions off you. Like, we can't spend forever. Like, how far are we in? 20? 30 minutes. Yeah, in. yeah exactly. Yeah, We've crazy. talked about yeah, one yeah. team. But um, I want to bounce two things quickly for because, like, I think there are certain discussions that are interesting, but that we don't need to go down. Like KD coming back from his Achilles, like obviously, yeah, he's we not could talk about that the in next like year. You know, we'll months, have lots yeah. of time to talk about that. So I wanted to bounce two things off of you. The first is like, just what are your expectations for this upcoming and, uh, season a- as a whole? And and I want to tell the listeners what I texted Andrew as soon as he asked me my expectations once we signed Katie and Kyrie. I was like, I think they're a five seed. 
in the yeah. East. I think they're a five seed right now, five or four seed realistically yeah. with this team. I don't know if this team is markedly better than the team that they had last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're around 45 to 47 wins. It, it wouldn't be surprising to me. Um, they do have better – I would say they have – certain role players that might be a little bit better or a little worse in some areas. Like, they're definitely going to miss someone like Ed Davis, who was a key player for them. Maybe maybe DeAndre Jordan kind of replaces what he does. Um, Kyrie Irving, in comparison to D'Angelo Russell, I mean, D'Angelo played extremely well for, for the Nets last year. What I'm a little bit concerned about is whether th- – a lot of the acquisitions and the moves they ended up signing uh, Garrett Temple. I like that signing a yeah. lot, though. Ended up signing Garrett Temple. Ended up signing uh, Wilson Chandler. Guys like that to fill out the roster. Is does that take away from what Karis LeVert can do and his development? Whether or not Joe Harris is going to get enough minutes to be able to show what he can do. Spencer Dinwiddie is he going to have a little bit more free reign? or have the free reign that he's had over the past year and a half or so since he's been on the team. And I'm not exactly sure if that ends up happening, especially with a lot of the raised expectations. And all I want to tell people that are in the NBA community is to say, temper your expectations for this team because I don't know if they're going to be that much better than what they showed this year. Yeah, I agree to to a large extent and the thing I was going to say is like if I was a Nets fan I think the best thing that could happen this year is like someone like Karis LeVert being able to take another step basically. If Karis LeVert takes another step to like where he can be that third guy and you don't need to get you know, you don't need to get some sort of third star mm-hmm. or whatever because the team is currently constructed, even concer- assuming KD's healthy. They're f- definitely in that title contention, but they're not, like, there in that, like... Upper, upper yes, echelon. Yes, exactly. Right. So I think if one of those players, be it, you know, Lever- you're looking at Levert mostly, but it could be Dinwiddie, it could be, you know, yeah. some whoever, wherever that comes from that kind of growth would would be my and at worst comes to worst they show themselves to be possible good assets in a trade down the road which they already are i think but but that development is important and i think the one thing to keep an eye on not that it's i don't want to go down this rabbit hole necessarily but like let's i'm going to frame it in a positive way Kyrie Irving has another chance to yeah. do this again. Yeah. And because the fact of the matter is this isn't that different of a team this year from last year's Celtics team. It's not as talented for sure. You're Tatum. There's no one on that team as even talented as Jason Tatum, I don't think, for right. all we've you know, we talked about Tatum over the years. But like he has that chance again to be he luckily Maybe, luckily, because Kevin Durant, we've never seen, we don't have a lot of evidence of his, like, ability to mentor young guys either. Mm. But, like, you now get a chance to kind of shepherd these young guys. The expectations, I think, I think will be lower. I don't think anyone is expecting them to come out of the East this year. I think the majority of pundits will place them in the second tier of the East with the Celtics and, you know, 
Indiana, I'm to think. maybe. Indiana, yeah. yeah. We, we can talk about Indiana later. I'm tr- just looking through like here. Like three hours later. The heat, <laughs> the heat probably. Yeah. Uh, as we go along, we'll see what happens with the Raptors. I think the Raptors, if they s- re-sign Kawhi, are going to be the class of the conference, and then the Bucks will obviously. But, you know, no one's expecting them to come out of the East, so hopefully that can, that can weigh positively. But you get another chance now to have these young guys under your wing in, in a good culture environment. So... The image rehabilitation in that regard starts now. One other thing, do you, do you have something you want to add to that? No, because I wanted to just say, yeah. if I have to pick out one negative about this whole thing, I just want to like earmark something. It's really great that um, Kyrie and KD took less money for DeAndre Jordan to get overpaid, but yeah. the Nets overpaid DeAndre Jordan. Is and I just wonder how useful he's going to be by the third year of that contract. Yeah, I'm a little bit. But the good thing is you have Jared Allen still behind him. So right. maybe he, at the best, he's a good mentor figure for Jared Allen. He won't be teaching him to play hard, probably. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little worried about that. I mean, couldn't they have found, like, another good friend of theirs to, to sign for $10 million? I yeah, mean, agreed. Like, they have Jared Allen to kind of fill that center role. But, I mean, if... If that's what it took to sign both of them, and agreed. it seemed like it 100% did, agreed. then that's a necessary evil that you had to do yep. uh, and had to sign to basically sign both Kyrie and KD. So I'm completely okay with that. Maybe in three years when he's on the third year of that contract, I'm a little like, oh, why did they do that? But at the end of the day, it it's like it gives us – it gives a lot of Brooklyn Nets fans a lot of hope to be able to see in two years when KD comes back, hopefully all healthy and no complications with his Achilles, that there's going to be this palpable excitement in Brooklyn to be able to watch a game if I can afford it because my friend was texting me like, <laughs> you're going to go to one, get to go to one game a year. Now, right. Basically. He's just like, RIP cheap yeah. Nets tickets because I, I would go to like four to five games yeah. a year and now that's probably not likely especially with the rising cost in tickets so let's move on I mean we've we're 35 minutes in we've talked about one team so other than that like I think what we should do is kind of go through quick hitters I'll, and then we'll let you I'll let you talk about the Blazers yeah we for can a do that bit. at the end I don't yeah, I yeah. don't think we have to rush to do that so Let's. I mean, the Knicks ended up signing Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Wayne. So Ellington. I did want. Yeah. So I did want to say one thing about that. What isn't? What I do like about because they overpaid a lot of these guys, and these are all glorified role players. But they're now kind of a deep team when you look at it. They're not necessarily a good deep team. They're but you know they're gonna have. And you know depth at the guard position, at the forward position, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> right. But you know they. They can start, and being coached by David Fisdale, I think they can start to kind of slowly but surely rebuild, and they'll probably have another great good pick this year. Right. Like I think they do have a chance to start start, start building towards something here. The other thing I want to point out is a lot of these players, the good thing they – I think it actually is a fairly smart move with their cap space. Like, okay, we're going to overplay these role players – but in exchange for doing that, we're going to get them on team options, mm-hmm. which you don't really see a team option in, in the NBA a lot anymore. Yeah, it's mostly so player options. So they can kind of take a year to see which of these guys they they want to hold on to, and they can possibly go back out. 
the next year's free agency class isn't particularly good, but you can get back out there next year if you want, and 2021 where we're going to have to do this whole thing with Giannis and they are going to be a lot more right. better free agents. By that point, you will be free and clear and again, assuming you, you're able to stick as, you know, discipline is kind of the key here, right. but I, I can't be mad. The, sure, the Randall thing's a bit of an overpay. Uh, that's the only one that goes out longer than two years. But when I look at these deals, like uh, I can't really complain that and much. I think that's the thought process in that front office is next year's free agent class, not that great. Let's just give these guys two-year deals, and then like Julius Randall got a three-year deal, sixty-three million. But it's really a two-year deal yeah, because exactly. it's a club, it's a team option. So. It's it's not really that bad, even if you're overpaying, because they're not going to be great anyway. So, like, might as well, like, try to just cobble things together. Maybe you have something in Julius Randle, and we'll kind of see what ends up happening. Hopefully, like, none of this, like, stunts the growth of R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox. So those are the three guys, like, if... If they w- if the Knicks are gonna have any semblance of a shot at trying to obtain a free agent in the future, I would say two out of those three guys have to be s- solid cement blocks for New York to kind of build on for their foundation. And you never know, maybe Frank Milikina. I'm Dennis kidding. Smith. I'm Dennis <laughs> Smith. I don't know, Dennis Smith. <laughs> He's we'll see. Get a, ch- a chance to run that team for sure. So yeah, I mean they're a deep team. I but not a deep. I can't good believe. Team. Yeah. I agree. I can't right, believe right. we. T- what can we talk about Philly or yeah, some, yeah. Some, so something? Let, let's go down the list. Yeah. Let's go to Philly. I think Philly. They. I mean, to like, me, they're the second most kind of after so the after well, oh, and the Warriors. If I had to rank in terms of like my fascination power rankings, actually, I'd probably put the Warriors number one and then Philly number two. Right, and but uh, I think Philly is. Let's let's yeah. talk about that because I wanted to get like dig into that a little bit more. What what are your thoughts about like what they did? Because yeah. in the aggregate, what they ended up doing was like they signed all these like other guys like Kylo Quinn, Shake Milton, James Ennis. I mean, those are the guys that we don't really want to talk about. They signed Tobias Harris to that five-year, $180 million deal, max. And then they signed Al Horford, which I think surprised a lot of people. That surprised me. Yeah. I, that wasn't the team I expected Horford to go to. And then they ended up losing J.J. Redick to the Pelicans and Jimmy Butler. Um, they did a sign-and-trade, um, and Butler's on the Miami Heat now. I I am not sure like how I feel about this team now in that I just think it's a weirdly constructed big team and maybe and we talked about this through text and I know maybe your point of view and maybe I'll let you expand after I talk is you were kind of I don't know you're pretty like oh this is a really intriguing team we'll see what ends up happening I don't really love it. I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. I I mean I can understand like the Horford thing as a whole, but it just seems like who's going to guard a like a small point guard on that team? Josh Richardson? Is that like I guess that's like what's going to happen, but Tobias Harris at the 3? Is that what's going to happen? Like I I don't know if like the spacing and everything like that works out sure. 
Al Horford can stretch stretch it out to the three. I'm just a little bit worried about like the speed aspect of everything and how everything has everyone's kind of been trending in the NBA to go smaller. Philly's just kind of taken the zag from everyone's zig in terms of like we're gonna just go ultra big now and try to bully ball all these teams and maybe that's a smart move but I wonder how that works out for them um, overall and it hasn't worked for many teams maybe with a player like Joel Embiid since he's a special guy that can kind of dominate on both ends of the floor that doesn't matter as much and he can't be played off the floor but I'm a little worried about maybe year three of that Al Horford deal and see, like, he's getting up there in age. And who knows, like, how much he ends up dropping off um, in terms of that. I would have just rather had Jimmy Butler rather than someone like Al Horford, but that's just me. Um, just to run it back, because they were literally five bounces away from possibly moving on uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, and they weren't that far away. So I wasn't, I was kind of curious to, See, like, man, they're really going to just kind of change it up and see what, what ends up happening. I would have just ran it back and s- and done it for this year. And then if they couldn't do that, like, Jimmy Butler, I didn't – I wouldn't foresee falling off super hard in the next year or so that if they fail next year, they could get off some of those contracts, like, even though they're max contracts. So I don't know. I, I don't know, like – how you feel about it, but I wasn't super impressed by what Philly Philly did. Well, I will I'll start with agreeing you on one thing. I agree about the Horford deal possibly not being looking so great as time goes on. Um I definitely agree with that. Um but I disagree with you. I like this f- starting five better than last year's starting five for the Sixers. Um and in doing that I, I want to say a few things. One to your point about def- defense, I look at this team and I think this is w- going to be one of the best defensive starting fives in NBA history. Mm. You're going to have uh, Joel Embiid, who was a defensive player of the year candidate last year. Al Horford, who you're I agree he's technically kind of like an oversized four, but it's been known that he prefers to play the four. He's not like a center Necessary. He wasn't necessarily a center because he likes being a center, and it's always been known that his versatility is what makes him such a great defender. Like you said, as to as we age, you know, as as he ages, will that deteriorate? It's it's certainly possible, but I believe he has. He'll be able to guard fours, no problem. Um, Tobias Harris is probably the worst defender on the team, but he's like average. Ben Simmons is a fairly good defender who I think can when he tries, guard, yeah. yeah, who I think can guard those those kind of ones. Um, and I, Josh Richardson is one of the most underrated. I think it's important to say to the average NBA fan, from my perspective, I think Josh Richardson is really, really good, and it's important to remember that he's young. Mm-hmm. Like, he's young and on a very team-friendly deal. Yeah. So you could argue that for what you lose in, like, Jimmy Butler. But I think, at, like, I'm just making this point. Like, Jimmy Butler on a max deal, his value's only decreasing over time. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of balancing things out by, I think, acquiring Josh Richardson, who he can shoot, 
he can defend, he can run a little bit of pick and roll for you, and and that's good. And then, so, there are two points I want to make, also. Yes, they were a bounce away from getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I do think your view, your characterization of the Sixers' offense last year was a bit rosy compared to what it actually was like. Yeah, totally. It's important to remember that that was a fairly awkward fit, too, and especially in the playoffs. Like, down the stretch, it was a lot of, like, Jimmy Butler picking, like, basically, like, Jimmy, come save us. Mm -hmm. Now, on one hand, yes, you lost Jimmy, who was saving you, but on the other hand, I think this is a much better – this this team will have much better spacing um, and things of the like. And even though they're a big team, they're not like – they don't have to like – it's not like every – like Harris and Horford and, you know, Embiid, yes, is mostly going to get his stuff out of the post out. But Harris can create off the dribble – Horford, you can run pick-and-pop type actions. You know, he can stand in the corner and shoot and be uh, super effective. Like, I think their versatility has actually gone up. Mm. And they now have players... Like, J.J. Redick, for as good as he is, you he does one thing on offense and then is bad on defense. You've right. replaced he him tries hard on defense, but he's yes, not exactly. great. Yeah. yeah, no, that's not... F it wasn't even fair to say bad on defense. But, so... The point I was really just trying to make overall is that I think the fit might actually be better in the long run. And I think for what they for all of the negatives you possibly outlined, I think they gained kind of a measure of versatility. So mm. I want to say one more thing. Though. Sure. What I think is important here for their success going forward. And I think like as you like this is for the now. For mm. sure. Like, it's this year and next year, probably. Like, they're going to extend Simmons to a max extension, it looks right. like. And at that point, I think he's going to be... Dip like, you're you're committing to him. Like, the kind of trade Simmons talk, I think, goes up close to out the window for the most part. Yeah. Their success is going to hinge on Simmons' ability to run this offense and be a playmaker. The good thing mm -hmm. is, he now doesn't have to stand in the dunker spot all the time and he doesn't even necessarily i think need to create offense for himself beyond what he normally does because everyone else on the floor should be able to shoot at this point can but he but there is going to be <laughs> can <laughs> he, he should <laughs> practice he should practice, practice shot. Sure. but Just can he run this offense and be more of a traditional kind of point guard type and be a creator in terms of like running an offense is kind of to me the key question. So right, I, uh, that uh, although I do like it on paper, wait, I, it seems like a fair bit more than you do. I think it hinges. That is kind of the 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 key at the end of the day. And, and I think that's an important point to bring up, especially with Simmons and whether or not he's going to be able to kind of like he needs to be the one to grow to be able to get this team in the right positions mm -hmm. to succeed because now they can't have they don't have a guy like Jimmy Butler to throw it to in the playoffs and be like all right just kind of like make something happen especially like and I think a lot of people think like Joel can kind of do that but it it's tough like it's tough to get him the ball and for centers to create their own shot late in the shot clock when there's like 10 seconds left and being able to set it set it up um i don't know like they weren't able to do that like late in the playoffs last year in that 
there was that struggle and that tension between Butler, between Simmons and Embiid in terms of like who's going to take that last shot type of thing. Yes. And take control. And maybe that uh, like with Butler out of the picture, that alleviates some of those problems. But like you were saying before, and I think the point's well taken in that Simmons is definitely going to have to step up into that role and really grow into the role of being that playmaker and putting his guys in the right positions to succeed. So I'll be super curious to see what ends up happening. You're grinning, taking it's your phone. It's not Kawhi. Oh, okay. that's so funny. Jake Lehman signed with the with the Timberwolves, and that was <laughs> what I was like. I was getting my phone to get ready to do a tweet I was about like, that. Kawhi, I know that's Kawhi so funny. watch? Okay. <laughs> no, so. that's funny, but I'm sorry. I got a little distracted. I heard what you said, and, and, no, no, and no, no. I thought it was totally. a valid point. So I think that was a very comprehensive, comprehensive uh, Sixers thing. The one other thing I want, and I think we should move to the Heat next, because... Th- or I was gonna move to Boston, but we can. I move think to the just heat. because the yeah yeah for the, the trade heat, yeah let's because we can heat. kind yeah, of yeah. do the other side of it, um, if you don't mind. Um, I, the one thing I wanted to bring up was I don't know. I wonder if that's something we'll find out. Like that's kind of still something that's murky. Apparently, there's some reporting that Philly did offer him the Butler ma- the max, and he just didn't want it. So at that point, you're up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think. Y- I'm not sure that they did necessarily cho- choose to go this route or if it was plan B or what have you. Now, the Heat, I'm pretty confused about this, to be honest with you. I don't quite get it. They gave away Josh Richardson, who I think is a really, really good young player. They then kind of made some ancillary moves. They tried to trade Goran Dragic and kind of couldn't. Didn't they ended happen. up having to trade for... Uh, they traded Hassan Whiteside to your yes. team. Yep. Th- wh- which is f- fine. I don't... But uh, they ended up giving away, I think, like two first round picks overall in, mm-hmm. in, in this deal. And they're pretty much at the cap now. I, I'm just not sure what the point is. I, I think I do know what the point is. But I like this team, I don't think is going to be particularly good this year. Like, congratulations to Jimmy Butler. Like, you get to be the alpha again. You get to be Chicago Jimmy and, like, yell at everyone in practice. Like, you get to do whatever you want to do. Congrats. But, like, you're rolling out there with Dragic, like, Dion Waiters and, like, I don't know who else. Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek and, like, just, like, the boys, like basically, like this. Th- I feel like if we pulled up their roster, you're not going to be far off from like that Wizards. Like it just goes to crap really, well, really fast. Like they're going to be an eight seed to me in the East Max. So, and uh, they mortgage a decent amount of their future. Like they have now given up a lot of first round picks over the past few years. Yep. So if this doesn't pan out, like they don't have like a lot of room for rebuilding. Now, I think the idea behind this is like. We get a first. We get a, a star. First, we star. get our books clear next year, and then we try and get another star. I think. I think that's what they're going for here, and that's kind of how the Heat have tried to operate since like Wade, basically. So right. So I can't. It it makes sense in in the logic, but I I just don't necessarily see it panning out. I mean, I think for them, they were already capped out pre Jimmy Butler, with like all the money they had on the books already might as well try to get like you were saying in the second part of your your answer about what the heat were doing in that 
let's get one star, see what we can do with that, and then see if another person follows Jimmy Butler's lead. And I'm not exactly sure who would, especially with all the troubles that he's kind of reported to have in in Chicago, Minnesota, and in even in Philly. He, there were, like, rumors that there was stuff going on yep. as well. So, I mean... Um, I, I think that's the logic in being able to get that star player uh, for Miami. And, like, I thought the white side trade was kind of interesting, especially more s- maybe more so for the Blazers um, because of all the stuff that white side provides for the Blazers. I mean, they just got expiring contracts back for him, Myers Leonard, right, and – was it Myers Leonard and, Mo- and Harkless. Harkless? And then Harkless ends up getting jettisoned over to uh, the Clippers, and they have to attach a first round pick uh, to take on that money so that all the cap stuff works out there. Yeah. So it's, it's really, I, I think it's really interesting that they're like, all right, we're going to just give these two first round picks up uh, to be able to acquire someone like Jimmy Butler and see if that risk. Uh, warrants itself maybe in a year or two um, especially if they're and if they're able to get that second guy second star then who's to say they can't get a third guy especially in a place like Miami and I think that's Riley's thinking especially with him leading this team and him not wanting to go out with like like retire off a team like that has Kelly Olenek and all these (laughs) like fucking guys that <laughs> he doesn't care about. Wow, the, your first F-bomb of the podcast yeah, is yeah. Kelly Olenek. Yeah, yeah. No, but the one thing I, I agree, the the one point I'll make and kind of what my overarching theme was, these this giving up of assets and stuff, like I totally see your point about like they were kind of capped out. Why not wait one year and go for your first star then? The kind of what I was... The, the, the amount of assets they've given up in the position they've put themselves in is usually to get the second guy, right. not the first guy. That's and true. That's, that's kind of what I was trying to go for. That's totally true. Okay, so let's stay within the East yeah, and move on. Yeah, let's go to Boston. Let's I go think. to Boston. And I thought they'd say they they recovered well yeah. after Kyrie was just like, see ya, I'm going to the Nets. And they're doing the sign and trade. Um, like... And I think a lot of people get confused now because, like, you see all the numbers that people are signing for, and then they're like, wait, sign and trade, what's the compensation, and, like, what's exchanging hands and things like that. But what's being reported right now is that Boston, Brooklyn, and Charlotte are in a sign and trade of all their – of the point guards. So Boston's getting uh, Kemba, Kemp and then Charlotte's getting Terry Rozier and Brooklyn Nets are getting Kyrie Irving and then there's some like extra compensation in place that we won't really know until the trade's finalized I would say around July 6th um, when the moratorium's lifted so I, I think it's a fascinating move that Boston was able to sign Kemba Walker and I really like the move for Boston, actually, and I think a lot of people in the NBA are like, all right, we're kind of just going back to what they had with Isaiah Thomas, but just a better roster around him. More developed Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Hopefully Gordon Hayward gets his legs under him. (laughs) That that was an unfortunate. (laughs) But yeah, like hopefully he's able to like, 
regain some of the form that he had pre-injury. And then they ended up signing your guy, Enos Cantor, yeah. um, who has probably built himself a statue in Portland right now. Um, that was kind of wild. Like, I sent you that text about, like, Cantor getting six minutes to decide, <laughs> and I was like... I love Enos Cantor. He's shown himself <laughs> to be kind of a dr- well, not, and he's not a drama queen about being a dissident from from, from Tur- the Turkish Tur- government. Right. I'm not saying not that. that at all. Right, right. But in other respects, like he is, do you remember like the video of hi- the picture of him like lying on the on the table like in a sling and yeah, like yeah. the captions like. I don't know. Give it your all. He's like so. one of my like favorite he, Instagram, he like to, Twitter he guys. Likes, yeah. The guy likes to, you know. Now I wasn't gonna. Didn't mean be the center of attention. The guy's a little bit of a, a little bit of a drama queen in that yeah, respect, yeah. and I feel bad, and I hope there are no hard feel t- feelings. Like I sent you, Lillard apparently clarified. Apparently, Olshay was like at a, the bar at a barbecue. At a Lillard family barbecue, like as all of this stuff was going down <laughs> yesterday, including the white side trade. And he said, no, you know, he did have to make a decision quickly. I don't know in what context if it because I doubt they were choosing between keeping Canner and trading for white side. Mm. Uh, I, I doubt it. Yeah, it seems a little wild to me. Um, although it would have been interesting, like it is an interesting thought experience experiment like Harkless plus Canner is that a better team than what they have now? I don't know. I, I think and we'll it get into the Blazers. Yeah, we'll I get into so that. Later. I have a couple hot but takes. I'm sorry, on but that. let's okay. Yeah. Forget. But let's move away from Canner because I do want to say, kind of give my theory on the Celtics. Um, they're going all in on offense. Basically, is kind of what I, what I think is happening. Yep. At least for the time being, they're not going to be a very good defensive team next year. I think. I mean, they still have Smart and and Brown on the team, like, and they'll be able to defend. Mm-hmm. But I think losing Hor Horford, Kyrie. I like Kyrie a lot. Like, I'm not. Mm. It's it's stupid to say like losing Horford is worse than losing Kyrie. But I think because they were able to get Kemba, the more impactful loss it makes sense. On yeah, that totally makes sense. Is is Al Horford to me, and I think that's what's going to prevent them from from being in the conversation in the best teams in the East. The other thing I want to say about Kemba. It's it's kind of just like I feel like it's been the least like and it just hasn't been that discussed at all like this what the Celtics did because so much else happened like arguably we probably should have t- like the Warriors are probably higher in the power rankings than the Celtics in terms of intrigue but I think a thought we both had that I'd like to share to to the listeners like I think we both feel like this team might may not drop off at least from where they were last year as much as as much as people might right, think right. they will I think on a on a night to night basis in the regular season in the NBA this team is going to be able to score and going to be able to beat a lot of good teams I think in the playoffs we'll it's see. pretty much yeah. forget it because I, I mm-hmm. Kemba, Kemba, Kemba can't putting like Kemba and Cantor in a pick and roll <laughs> is like <laughs> just like imagine like uh, guys in a blender like uh, going geez. like they're going off in opposite direction like that's going to be an absolute fucking disaster. But I think they're going to be able to score. I think they're going to be a fun team to watch night in and night at night out. And uh, like you said, now you're kind of. There's going to be more on the shoulders of Tatum and stuff, but not so much. Yeah. Because because and 
for Kemba, I said this to you, and I think it's important to realize now, Kemba has never really been on a team where he's not, like, the only offensive option. Mm -hmm. So, sure, there will be some, you know, I bet there will be a lot of my turn, your turn going on with him and Tatum to start things start things off. But uh, seeing how this team could possibly grow into itself, especially offensively, I, I think it will be a nice little story. Yeah, and I think, like, what you're saying in terms of the Horford, like, loss is being more impactful is totally true because Kemba could do, what, 90% of what Kyrie does? 95%? I would say 90. Yeah, like stat-wise. Like he could fill fill, it up. He's not as efficient probably. Right, right. But But he can pretty much do what Kyrie did, especially in the regular season, I would think. Yeah. And I think someone like Brad Stevens can put – the, like he's yeah. going to be able to scheme up a lot of different he's stuff. He's going to have in an interesting task ahead of him in terms of scheming because Cantor uh, is a slightly different big man than than Horford for sure. And uh, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off yeah, there, yeah. but all I was saying was like I think it'll be interesting. I just want to add that I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of scheme type stuff Stevens comes up with. With and this all scheme I'm now. saying is now all season, basically this whole year since. Since the beginning, I've kind of been like, Jason Tatum has been overrated. Yeah. I think it's swung the other way in that it's people aren't talking. Like, that was his second year. He did improve in a couple different areas, but he wasn't able, like, efficiency-wise, he wasn't as good. I think this third year is going to be hugely important for him in that like I, I could foresee him stepping up to the point where people are like, Jason Tatum's back. Like and this Agreed. is this is the guy that we ended up keeping. Like this is the reason why we kept him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to return to those expectations. A lot of people are looking at a lot of different areas um for a lot of NBA stories and I think especially with Tatum and the struggles he had failing to live up to the lofty expectations of the national media that he's going to be able to kind of surprise people uh, going into next year. And that's my, like, one prediction, I guess, coming out of this Boston team. And it's possible that if the team does well that the Stevens kind of mystique comes back, too. Like, I just think as I look at that team, I just – I just see a lot of, like, possible positive... You know what I mean? It looks like a team that could recover nicely. And from, I think there's the going to be a little of bit year. of a underdog, like, yeah. F.U. mentality. For sure. Like, oh, Kyrie left us, Al Horford left us, because he didn't think we can, like, win. And I, I could foresee them winning close to 50, 50, 50 Especially so. that middle of the East is going to be fairly mushy. I, I want to talk about the Pacers. I don't think we should do that next. But, like, when you look at those teams, even the Nets, like, none of those teams are head and shoulders above the. And then if the Raptors lose Kawhi, Kawhi yeah, like that, that and then you're really, it, you right. know, the East will really be wide open. So there are going to be wins to be had for totally, sure. Totally, totally. So in terms of moving on, and I think you talked about in your intrigue rankings, yeah. the Warriors being probably number one or two. Let's talk about the Warriors because they have a connection to my yeah, Brooklyn do. Nets in that they ended up doing a sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell, and I don't think people saw that coming. No, this was at wild. all. That I was mean, wild. As the as that um 
kind of I'm sure you like I were wa- was watching that kind of jump the jump like right. free agency show and early on in it Windhorst like offhandedly says like and the Warriors could like he wasn't even reporting like he was just saying like the Warriors could have some interest in a uh, Russell Simon and I was trade. just like and how yeah and then by midnight it, it's actually happening so. Yeah, this is just wild, and I, I have some pretty strong opinions don't on it. So, uh, but I haven't heard so much from from you. Like, don't you? So it's okay. It's definitely a bookend to their like yeah. this iteration. Yeah, the era of, is over of this group of players in terms of them siphoning off Andre Iguodala. And I and highly encourage everyone to read Zach Lowe's article about this if mm-hmm. if you haven't read it yet. Just dictating because I think the idea is to go like, well, it's not really the end of an era. Like Draymond, Steph, and Clay are still there, but I think Zach Lowe does a great job of laying out like how Iguodala is arguably kind of like the linchpin right. for for those yep. warrior teams. In, yeah, at least in terms of like the overall conceptualization. Totally, and I think it's definitely ushering in this new like second. I don't know. Iteration. Warriors 2.0. Po- 3.0. 3.0. Yeah, Warriors 3.0. In that. Well, like Warriors 1.0 was Mark Jackson. Warriors 2.0 was Steve Kerr. Warriors 3.0 was was KD. Right. And now this, this is, is Warriors. I guess 4.0. This yeah. is like Silicon Valley tech speak. This is like when the company like is starting to fail and they like rebrand as something else. Yeah. Like it's like oh, this app is now called Uvi or something like. And it seems like it's on the way out, uh-huh. like, and they're getting de- like in that Elizabeth Holmes documentary, like <laughs> where like they're starting to run out of money, so they do that Walgreens deal. Yep. This is actually an incredibly good comparison for reasons we could talk. This is like the Walgreens deal era of the Theranos that that is the Golden State Warriors. Yep. So I, I what do you think, buddy? Like, I think it's a very intriguing pivot, and. Like just from an asset point of view, it makes sense. Like you're you're trading in someone like Iguodala, who's thirty five, thirty six years old, and basically getting a twenty three year old all star point guard that was able to score twenty a game, have dish out seven assists. Like just from a pure asset play, it makes sense. And maybe if you want to trade him off once Clay is healthy for something else, then maybe it's, and depending on what you get back for D'Angelo Russell, maybe it's worth it. Now, fit-wise, I don't see where this, like, I don't know who's going to be able to defend on that team in the in their backcourt without uh, Clay Thompson um, for the first three quarters of that season. Like, could, that backcourt's just... But I don't know, like, who's going to defend who. Um, like, who's going to be the lead guard to defend? Like, who's Yeah, who's de- defending Damian Lillard right, when he who's, comes into town? I guess it's D'Angelo because he's just lankier. But I don't know who's defending who. It's not that they're – like, D'Angelo's a fairly bad defender. But it's not that Steph doesn't try. It's just he has limitations on yeah. that side of the, the floor. It, it, it was just intriguing that they ended up, like, making this – deal and being like 
Iggy, we're going to say goodbye to you, espe- like, especially with all that he gave them and, like, the discounts and, like, him showing loyalty. And it was being reported by Chris Haynes, I believe, that uh, Iggy kind of knew the writing was on the wall. If KD wasn't coming back, then he was most likely going to be a salary dump um, for a trade because they were just trying to get off money. Um and that's pretty much what ended up happening once KD decided to leave the Warriors. And I think the Nets ended up, I believe, getting or they ended up like facilitating the sign and trade between D'Angelo. Um, they did. They're right, getting right, a first round getting pick a first round pick. for their trouble, so I believe. It's like, it's like another another thing that the Nets were able to do. And these are like the little moves that end up yep. adding up. So it, it, I just think it's a really intriguing pivot, and I don't know if that makes them better or worse. Like, I, I, like, and I saw this on ESPN. Bobby Marks kind of said that this Warriors team is not going to make the playoffs next year. I don't know. Like, I think they can make the playoffs with this team in the West. I like. There's just so much unknown, unknown still. But I still think this team can make it. Kevon Looney's back um, for the Warriors, especially after everyone thought he was leaving for Boston or for some other teams. I just think I just think this Warriors team is able to kind of cobble things together, and I'm curious to see how like how good Steph is going to be next year. Yeah. Um, especially without Clay, and like. What type of season Draymond's going to have, especially with him being up for an extension? So, and I yeah, yeah, so yeah, I just want to pose the no, question: like, what are your thoughts on all this stuff? Yeah. Because you you seem to have like I don't even really know your take because you didn't expand upon it. Well, in, I, in made text, like about, a hot, I made a joke about I made a joke about just them on the court. I'm like. Well, we've gone full circle back to like Monte Ellis and like mm. Steph, like okay. basically. But I don't even want to talk about that because I would like to, because that's what people. I feel like there is kind of a disconnect here between like your average NBA fan and maybe some like more heady. Like I was just like, not even because you. I think of you as a smart guy, and you said it was a good asset play. But like, there are some people who really hate it, and I'm close to really hating it. Interesting. I just okay. don't necessarily. It it strikes me as flailing. Mm. They trade. Sure, it's just important to remember that they didn't trade Iggy like dump Iggy in a vacuum. Mm. They traded a first round pick in like 2024. Four or yeah, something, some way out and there. they're gonna give up another pick in. Uh, they're gonna give up another pick to the Nets, mm-hmm. and we'll see when that. I don't think that's the terms of the KD sign and trade have come out yet. I'm sh- I'm sure there's still maybe even little details to be ironed out. Why not just keep? Why not just run it? If you because I think I'm I'm going all. It's hard to make this in a coherent kind of line, but let's start with this. Uh huh. They could make the playoffs. I don't know, especially the West with the West still being up in the air. Like I'm not ready to predict they're going to miss the playoffs, but they're not going. I don't think they're going to be good next year, mm. uh, unless Clay makes kind of a miracle recovery. Even if Clay comes back, you're relying on trading Russell, which put a pin in that. We'll get back to it in a minute, or like clay guarding threes in the playoffs or like steph or like they're not going to be sustainable 
it's important to remember how much these warrior, the success of these warrior teams was built on defense and continuity. Even with KD, yeah. even with KD, KD's an incredible rim protector. Like he, you know what I mean? Like they never, in, even in their like KD era, they never sacrificed offense for defense like like they have here. And we can go back to all that stuff later. But just the asset play side of it. I'm not sure I see the point giving up what you're possibly going to look like after. Like, to me, it's like grasping to hold on to, to, to this era, whatever it is, when, one, you didn't need to do that. You could have just kind of punted on this year, brought back Draymond next year, and then you try and figure it mm. out. Um uh, I kind of lost lost my train of thought a, a little bit, but... um. Yeah, just and I'm not sure I agree with the asset play side of things mm. because it's not a sustainable long-term idea. I haven't heard one person posit a good idea of how these two players can coexist in a meaningful way on like a championship type team. And I'm not taking any shots at D'Angelo Russell here, but just the man is not cut out to be a two guard. I think a funny take I haven't heard anyone say yet, and I'm like, I'm just surprised. I don't know if it's a good take or not, but I'm not surprised that. I'm just surprised that no one has said it. I think maybe Russell should play point and Steph should play the two guard. Oh, probably. That's like, probably going I just feel like everyone's saying that Russell's going to be the two guard. And I'm like, when I look at this, I think Steph is arguably his skill set is more sh- suited to being a two that, guard. And I think Kerr's going to figure that out through the process of this or the, throughout the course of the season and say, hey, we're going to just probably give the ball to D'Angelo and then let him kind of do his thing. And Steph is going to be able to. Sh- to space the yeah. floor out a little and bit it can more, serve his energy a right. little and, bit, maybe. And for me, that would make more that sense is coming off yeah. of picks and things like that. I do get the idea that it's gonna be really interesting to see if, especially if Clay comes back and those three guys play together, how that's gonna look in terms of like who's guarding who. The switchability's not there, especially with Iggy. There's no. No more hand. Who's spot. starting at the three? Like in the meantime, yeah, Alfonso McKinney. Like it's, it's like probably gonna what happen. What are you? Fu- are you fucking kidding? Like that's horrible. Yeah, that's literally probably the worst starting player in the league. Mm. It's mm. up there. It's close. Alfonso McKinney. Well, the Wizards might have. I was about to say. I was going to point to that. (laughs) But the Washington Wizards. The here's the one. If you don't mind, let me go because I kind of realized where I was going to pick up on my rant. So I don't think it's great in the long term. And in the short term, I think they could have been better off just like you could have signed a guy for the mid level. Maybe you make if you want to give up first round picks, like trade a first round pick for Jay Crowder or something. You know Mm. what I mean? Like you could have picked if you really wanted to stay relevant for the short term you could have picked up useful guys now what you've done is hard capped yourself and this is why i said i could have really hated it they've kind of pulled off some magic i did not think they were going to re-sign kevon looney so they kind of were able to make me look stupid there and re-signing willie collie stein is not like is in terms of them like making the play i think that is significant because he's a rotation nba quality player right you know what i mean now you're going to be filling the roster out with minimum guys and it's important to say like one of my friends in in our group chat is like like they're explaining why they like it and they're like well they can bring back cousins no no No, they they can't can't. they can't bring back cousins he he's gone 
Um, so, like, I think when you look at it, it's like short term, I don't think the future is very bright. And then long term, I don't think the future is very bright. Now I want to address the one thing and then we can go off in whatever okay, okay. tangent you want of like, well, they can just always trade him. Sure. But I just, I think D'Angelo Russell is a good player. Is he worth the max? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Let's even set that aside. But, like, this year, a lot of these teams are going to be tied up. Ca- like, making the mm. money work in these trades isn't, like, is going to be difficult in the short term. And then in the long term, if it doesn't work out, his trade value is going to take a hit. Mm-hmm. So, like... I agree that, yes, they'll probably be able to flip him at some point, but is whatever they get in that potential hypothetical trade down the line better than what's behind door number two in terms of, like, kind of standing pad and just continuing to operate like a normal team as best you can? I'm not convinced. You know, I, I, I'm I'm probably being a little bit taking the negative side just because I think it, it hasn't been laid out to the average NBA fan as much like uh, you know what I mean I don't think it's an absolute disaster but I just think there are these certain kind of patent negatives and the idea that like it was something they had to do I don't buy it strikes me as someone who was like K if KD leaves will try and do something big and then they just to kind of like hide all the maybe yeah just to kind of do it and maybe say oh we didn't fail this offseason yeah, for retaining and it papers, KD. Yeah, and it papers over a lot of, like, those, you know, like, why did KD leave? And, like, the medical staff, Iguodala bad-mouthing the medical staff. Like, I'm not saying they did it as, like, a PR move, but from that, you know, remember, they're going into this new arena in San Francisco next year. Mm. Like, it just strikes me as a slightly uncharacteristic, mm. you know, big-name grab that they... they never quite had to do and you know part of that is because they they got lucky with their cap situation and stuff like that like there is an open question of like was this team expertly managed or did was it expertly managed for a bit and then everything else was really really easy lucky yeah well and i they're gonna I have to dump sean livingston probably too i yeah, want to just yeah. add that on the pile. and i don't even know if it was like and i think you bring up an interesting idea of like was it expertly managed i think they got like it goes back to the idea of luck that we're talking about with the nets and that look at what they drafted with and this is like been played out so much whenever we talk about the warriors they drafted steph seventh they drafted clay 11th they drafted draymond in the second round it like if it's any other team, you're not going three for three. You're maybe going one for three yep. on those picks, and that's what changes the course of the franchise. And that's great point. And I think that's the idea when you're, whenever you're th- talking about or thinking about these NBA drafts and these draft picks, like a lot of luck is required in terms of like and everything situational context matters, um, and all that when all that comes out together and it works out these nba teams look like geniuses like how you know like 
what's his name? Was it Goober or one of the uh, or Joe Lake? Peter Goober. Or Joe <laughs> oh Lake. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Joe Lakeup who was like, "Oh, we're ahead of the curve." Yeah. And I was like, "No, you got fucking lucky from for like choosing the right guys." And, and it's and imp- it worked out is, in all the cast There is a point in you know they did identify them, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, get no, what you're saying. No, but like in terms of like who, who could like the cap space thing was complete t- timing. Uh, right, a matter no, of timing and like luck, they got basically. lucky for like the cap spike and everything and yep. that working out and then hap for happenstance like Katie being available at that period and all that stuff happening. Now I, I think it's a really interesting uh argument that you make with D'Angelo Russell in terms of you got you not necessarily liking the asset play yeah. part of it. But I think it brings up a really like Maybe not trading like KD, obviously, but I think it brings up like a really interesting idea of like whether or not these teams in the NBA that don't have bird rights on players are going to end up trading some of these guys. And and the and this is kind of off tangent in ways because they did have bird rights on KD and he <laughs> he could have made all all his money that way. I get where you're going though. When you're in this damned if you, like, not damned if you do, damned if you don't, but, like, the, once he walked, you were stuck with, like, losing the chance to kind of spend this money. Right. Unless or you did something or like do that. Or do, like, a signing so trade understand with, like, that aspect of right. it. It's more like, would you just rather have had KD sign outright? with the nets or like kind of try to make this happen siphon off it's it's basically like would you rather it's at this point would you rather have andre iguodala and some stuff or d'angelo russell at the end of the day and i'm on the side of like i saw d'angelo russell last year maybe that's kind of why i'm like sure on his corner and i believe in him as a player more so because he was on the nets and like he gave me all that excitement from last year, but I'm on the, I'm on his corner a little bit, and we'll see if it ends up working out for the Warriors in general. And I think they're able to get, and I think it's really important idea of him signing the max and whether or not they're going to be able to get off the money to be able to get competent pieces at, that are at in, good at, positive value, right? Back good for positive valuable value right exactly or if it's gonna just be pennies on the dollar yeah like and i i don't know what the future holds for that but that's gonna be tough like who's gonna be able to cobble 27 million dollars or whatever it is like you're looking at like okay the wolves maybe but you know it's just important like the point i'm trying to make it especially with what the point guard market was like the suns have now invested a shit ton of money into ricky rubio the um Whatever and and other, you know, Terry Rozier. We God, that Terry Rozier deal is oh. awful. A lot oh of these Lord. teams have now, like, point guard is the one position we're seeing that teams have spent a lot of money on, like, consistently this off season. So, like, when you look around the league for trade partners, like, I just don't think there are as many at this point as as people think in that fact. Right, because all these point guards have kind of, like, redistributed themselves to find starting roles like Rubio's, like you were saying, or Ricky Rubio's on the Suns now. Like, you you see, like, all these 
teams mostly at point guards, maybe you look towards m- the Magic or something. But yeah, we'll see. I don't, I don't know like who the natural trade partner becomes, but like I think, y- like we've kind of seen in this NBA, the NBA changes so much that we have no idea. Like we can't predict what happens in six months, but for the time being, I kind of like the asset play that... No, it's completely fair. And I think it was something creative and inventive out of the box that I didn't really see coming at all. And the only... And I guess really the point I was trying to make is like, I think the idea that you have to do something sometimes is, is kind of an illusion. And we may look back on this and say they were better off doing nothing. Especially given that the opportunity for it to work, to have a positive effect in the short term, seems slim. Mm. So let's move on. And I think the one there's two teams that I want to hit before maybe we do some quick hitters. Yeah. Is I want to talk about going back to the Eastern Conference, talk about the Bucks and the Pacers and talk about what they did. And and there's a connection there because of the yeah. this the trade that they made between them in terms of the Bucks trading Malcolm Brogdon, who ends up signing for four years, I believe eighty five million or eighty eight million. Eighty five yeah. and ding ding ding, let's bring up right now. You and I both made predictions <laughs> for locks <laughs> at the end of our last podcast. Yep. I said Ricky Rubio will sign with the Indiana Pacers. Boo, 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 boo. Yeah. And you said, I don't think yours. Eh, no, I think they were both considered favorites to happen. And yep. I was wrong about yep. mine. So Mal- whatever. You said Malcolm, Bro- Malcolm Brogdon will get $80 million. And yep. he got more than $80 million. So. Yeah. And I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Um, like Darren Collison ends up having like this uh, come to Jesus moment and says, I'm retiring. Come to Jehovah. Right. I don't come know. To does Jesus sorry. exist in Jehovah's I, I, d- I don't know. I don't, don't want to be ignorant. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how that works. But he's retired because he's felt a greater calling in life. And then Malcolm Brogdon ends up filling that point guard role um, for the Pacers. I I actually like the move for the Pacers just if you look at it player for fit now in terms of what they gave up to be able to have the right to sign him for four years and 85 million seems like a lot for them to give up a first rounder just to be able and I, i believe it was a first and a second that they gave up to be able to sign malcolm brogdon for four years 85 million i don't know like how they would have gotten him any other way but it just seems like a lot. No, uh, I think, yeah, no, I agree. I think you can kind of look at it two ways. The first way is, like, just this idea of, like, they ended up kind of out went Bogdanovich, Collison, Thad Young, and in came Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb. T.J. Warren. Yeah, and T.J. Warren. That, that's not that bad. Like, the team didn't get... I think that's get, overall It positive. arguably got better. But you've now spent a lot of re- like your paths to improvement. I think are are fairly narrow, and I don't think you've elevated yourself. Even if like Victor Oladipo comes back, I don't think you've elevated yourself into that top tier of the East. So yeah. I think th- I think that's a downside. Like, and the resources you spend is a good point. I like Brogdon a lot. It'll be interesting. One thing I once Oladipo comes back, 
neither of them are really pure point guards, but they're both like good playmakers, defenders, shooters. So it'll kind of be interesting to see how that dance happens once once he mm-hmm. comes back. Because I don't think of Brogdon as necessarily a pure point. Like you're not gonna like run like pick and roll with him necessarily. No. So it'll be interesting to see how how that happens. But I I agree. So that's kind of like the two ways I see it. Like. It's a good pacery move in terms of being like we don't sign free agents, you know. Yeah. We only kind of can do so much. Let's let's keep this level of talent as as stable as we can. But um when you look at this team overall, it just like you know, great, you're going to be a middle of the pack Eastern Conference team. Right. Like overall, I think they are improved from last year, but like and they were a, what a four seed last year or five seed? They were five, yeah, four or five seed. Mm, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, five seed last year. Like I could see them uh, replicating what they did For last sure. year, especially with this team, especially if Oladipo. It'll comes be interesting back to see what happens help. when Oladipo right. comes back. I'm assuming they're going to play Sabonis and uh, Turner together more. Right. Remember, Sabonis was the sixth man last year. He's really more of a center than a four. Yeah, there could be some awkward times in the early going, but yeah, but once I'm he comes back, you know for sure. And I wonder if they're gonna be. I I wonder if they're able to kind of maybe. I wonder if they end up trading someone like Miles Turner Sabonis, and I doubt they will. But wonder if they trade choose one of them, and they're like, all right, we're going all in with this one center, and then trying to use one of those yeah. guys as trade Agreed. bait That's to get another three four slash wing type of player um that i think they would desperately need um yeah and then it it becomes mildly interesting to see whether or not this team because they're kind of all on the same timeline in terms of age they're like mid-20s 24 25 like if oladipo brogdon uh Sabonis and Turner are able to grow together because there is room for growth yep. for this team. I don't know how high the ceiling is, um, and maybe it's fairly limited in terms of h- how good they can get. But it is like what you're saying—a very pacery type of move in terms of like trying to make incremental improvements and see where that goes. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think that's a great point to make for, like, my friend Kevin Tanzi, the only Pacer fan who could theoretically be interested in this. I do think the end game is them trading one of Sabonis or, or Turner as well, and kind of that's seeing seeing which one of those guys has the higher upside to that mm-hmm. front office will kind of be an interesting uh negotiating process because i don't think i think your average nba fan would say turner but i i don't think it's as clear cut and i think there is a chance that one of those guys takes one more step um so let's look at things from the buck side i actually wanted to i'll recap their transactions and then i kind of wanted to bounce uh an idea someone else had off off of you and see see what you think of it so they re-signed chris Chris Middleton, I think that was to a max or yes. slightly yeah, yep. less than a max. Resign Brooke Lopez to a four year forty. I think it was four years. Four years fifty two. Fifty two, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Sign Robin Lopez, sign George Hill, and add Wesley Matthews at the minimum, which I actually think is a is a incredible move. You arguably get a starting two 
who will fit in really well in that offense. Uh-huh. Maybe they won't be able to get out in transition as much with this with with what Matthews as opposed to like Brogdon, but but I think is a great pick and maybe mitigates the point I'm about to make to you. Okay. For this, but I thought this was an interesting point from Danny Larue of Dunked On. Yes, Malcolm Brogdon. You were going to overpay for Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, you were going to go like, not necessarily super deep into the tax, but deep into the tax for Milwaukee. And you know, you got a first round pick. Great. When you're a championship contender, like when you're one or two in the East, and your goal is to win a championship, doesn't it? Sp- you, you, your team is now worse, and isn't it? If you want to be a championship contender, isn't it your obligation to be like to kind of suck it up and write the check when when that thing comes? Like, how can you go to Giannis and say like it's possible that they make a they make a trade or something? It gives them more flexibility and they can make a trade or something. You know what I mean? It's not a given that this will be their team come playoff time. But like losing Miritich, losing Brogdon, like how do you go to Giannis and be like we're doing everything it takes for you to win a championship? Yeah. It's not like they were going to get be a hundred million dollars into the tax or something, right? You know? But does and and I think that's an interesting point in that, like, does that plant the seeds for two years from now? And and like like Giannis was like, hey, we had this team. Let's say this team ends up underachieving this year, gets knocked out in the second round or whatever, whatever happens, and then there's one year left of Giannis and then there's all these drum beats of oh yeah and then and then once if he signs with another team there's gonna be that like whole like background story it all started because they didn't end up re-signing Malcolm Brogdon and sucking it up and I think that's a real possibility here in that like you look at this team and just player for player they did get worse like Wes Matthews while he for the value they got him at is a really nice move for them and is is like that potential starting too he's nowhere near what Malcolm Brogdon could bring to the table for this Bucks team like the idea of Brooke Lopez and giving him four years 52 million yeah you probably had to do it but at the same time it's like a lot of money for someone that ended up being found on the scrap heap mm. last year um and i i just have i i just have a lot of questions as to whether or not this milwaukee team is going to be as good as it is last year and if you look at the top of the east especially <coughs> and, and there's a lot of questions of whether or not Kawhi comes back or not to the raptors if Kawhi goes to the lakers or wherever he decides to go and it's not the raptors you can kind of make the argument that the whole top four of the East got worse. Yeah. Boston got worse. Milwaukee got worse. Well, Boston got worse from their expectations, I guess, but it it looks like they got worse talent-wise. Um, Toronto definitely would have gotten worse if they don't get bring back Kawhi. The Bucks got worse, like we're talking about right now. And I, I mean, you like the Philly move, but I think Philly even might have gotten worse. Like maybe they're closest to, like holding or um, standing water or yeah. holding water. It like all those teams ended up losing what they ended up having last year, 
And it's it's a really interesting play in terms of like as a whole, what does it say about the league in terms of there being parity throughout yeah. the league? Yeah, and that is an interesting question. I think I don't know if we have time to d- dive into it, but I was thinking that as you said that the idea of like where did the depth kind of go? And I actually think it went to a lot of these bad teams. Like I think a lot of it went to the Knicks and like the Bulls and like right, these right. certain other teams. And I think that is fascinating. But you know, I just wanted to hammer home planting the seeds for Giannis is is right to some extent. But that what a ha- why I really brought it up was that idea that you just mentioned, like. When you look at this conference, like, don't you want to do everything you can to win the conference this year? And and, and the fact right. of the matter is, and things could change. There could be a trade, you know, something. But the fact of the matter is they, I don't think they can say they did. And, like, Giannis could maybe take a, another yeah. step up, yes. which is kind of inconceivable to even think about. But if they sign, like, and I'm... And I'm fairly shocked that they didn't re-sign Malcolm Brogdon, even if it was for the four years, eighty-five million dollars, because like it was there for the tank, for the taking, and he provided like that defense and the three-point shooting, and he was a key player for them. And now that's just gone. So I don't know what where that leaves them in terms of the pecking order in the East, especially with Kawhi kind of up in the air. In terms of them, him running or returning back to the to the Raptors, and so I think we'll the see. Raptors, even if they bring back Kawhi, I think they'll arguably will get worse too because I'm not sure they're going to be able to re-sign Danny Green. Uh, I think he'll have a good offer from the Lakers if if uh, yeah, they re-sign it, right, Kawhi. Right, exactly. So. The, uh, the Lakers will be trying to spend that money elsewhere. Yeah. They'll probably overpay Danny Green for a couple of years to s- uh, see if they can pry him away from from them. So. How how far in are we? So we're forty five. Yeah, one hour and forty. So <laughs> okay. it's not even it's not terrible. No, that's yeah. good. I want to do because I want to talk about one more team in 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 substance. Then we can go Blazers. I think, and then we'll do ten quick to hitters. fifteen minutes yeah, yeah. of quick hitters, and then and then. What do you make of the Jazz? I I'm looking at this Jazz team, and I'm possibly picking them as number two in the West. There's a lot of smart NBA people that are. Have that are writers around the league saying they're not like a sneaky contender. They're like clearly in can like clearly cemented themselves as contenders. And I think it's right to kind of be excited if you're a Utah jazz fan, especially with the Conley trade, they've made smart moves around the edges. Um, Bogdan, that Bogdanovich signing kind of provides them a little bit more depth. Ed Davis like that move. Great. Jeff Green, great move. Moody A, good move as Exum Insurance as your backup right. one. So, like, I like a lot of the moves that they made. I'm a little bit worried about maybe, like, who's going to start at the four, and that's probably my worry, but other than that... I think it's going to be your boy Joe, not your boy. My buddy Gerald Vesculia, Utah Jazz fan, I think it's going to be Jingling Joe Ingles. Yeah, it'll probably be Ingles and uh, Bogdanovich maybe starting. Yeah, they're the pretty three, much three, three four. four yeah, yeah, so th- I, that's the only concern, yeah. and maybe... I, I would say they're like half a guy short. Yeah, it's like, possible. W- like, just ma- if they can make an... Like, and maybe they'll be in the running for some of these and like this team isn't complete yet so maybe they're in the running for someone like that's 
you know, during the trade deadline or something like that, maybe Exum kind of takes a step up so they don't really need to make a move. But that's a huge unknown, too. I just think they're like one depth piece away, one solid depth piece away from possibly being like the first seeded team in the West, second seeded team in the West. Yeah. But. I really like what they did this offseason. So I just want to hit hit on a couple things. I want to say one. I think smart NBA insider Kevin Wu locking in on a great point and why I would say they're not contenders. When you look at their wings, it's like in the playoffs when you have to guard a LeBron James, a Paul George. Joe Ingles? Who's do- doing that? <laughs> Joe Yeah, that they don't have that. Yeah. I don't know if they have the ability to do that. And come playoff time, I think that'll be a problem. But I think regular season, this team is going to be a balanced and cr- really fun team to watch on the offensive side. I think they're going to be able to do enough night to night to win a lot of games. And I think they're pretty much a lock to be a top three seed. And Could be number two. Right. And defensively, they'll look good, too. Like, I just think they'll, like, Quinn Snyder, I'll have them, like, yeah, play really sure. hard. And, and Bogdanovich like, is a capable defender. Right. And that improvement offensively, especially with Conley being that other playmaker, yeah. is going to be really good for them. Um, and they'll make strides um, offensively, which it'll be and exciting and to watch. And I do think the Bogdanovich signing, I think it was like four years, 85, something in that range. I do think it's a bit of an overpay, but mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is it's another one of those things like where you look at them. There are certain teams where I think you can justify it a little bit more. And Bogdanovich is arguably the best free agent the Jazz have ever signed. That was so like, yeah, when was you like get a chance to do that, if you overpay, okay, this is a team that's built you know what I mean? It's kind of, even though they have young pieces, once you make the Conley trade, you're kind of going in for right now, and I, I think they, they did the best they could. to. You know, I agree with you on that point. Like, I don't think they would have been be- like I don't think they would have been better like keeping favors and making some other moves. So I think this yeah. is a th- a matter of a team that is pretty much coming close to maxing out what it can be. And, you know... Who knows? Maybe there's an injury in the West or something like I that. But I, I think they yeah. I don't think they're a contender in that grand scheme as in like they're a team that I'm pretty convinced is going to be in the Eastern in the conference finals. But um, I, I think they're pretty much as they've done all, almost all they can to get there. Like, I f- yeah, I think they've pretty much maxed out what they could get out of this team. And like they're hoping for a Toronto like run. Yeah. Like th- this year and hoping like. This is their year to kind of steal one, and I think if they can get it, um, if they can get another guy, I'd feel a lot better about this team, and specifically like a wing, yeah, um, wing guy to kind of rotate in with Bogdanovich and Ingles. Um, maybe Royce O'Neal takes a step up, but like even someone like as weird as it sounds, like Jay Crowder, who was with them yeah. for a while, I was or someone say, like, like that. I don't know what their cap space was like, but maybe you got in on the Mo Harkless sweepstakes right. when, when Miami yeah. was looking to flip Just, him. like, another guy to kind of play in there. So that'll be interesting. And that's, like, I mean, I think the Jazz will probably be top three seed in the West, uh, like you were saying. So we're kind of in agreement there. Speaking um, of top three seed in the West. Blazers? Blazers. Um, so I there are a couple things here. Okay, go ahead. Well, let's start. Remember, it's important to note we've talked about the Lillard Supermax at length, so I don't really feel the need to to cover that again. Uh huh. 
And since this, so so before you had we like a weird yeah, smile on yeah, your no, face. So Were you so excited? No, I was. Ex- you know what I was excited about? <laughs> what I was thinking about spring break. We're probably going to be going to Portland to go catch a game. Sure. So that's what I was excited about since it's our third year in law school. So hopefully we'll be able to catch a game. Is it the Rose Garden? That well, it was that's the like Rose the Garden. Old, now right. it's the Modus Modus Center, Center, right? But yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll be catching a game there, which I'm definitely going to be really excited about to go watch this this team play. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like, I have some thoughts on this team that I think initially you were a little bit surprised by my reaction. No, I'm not that surprised. I'm not anymore, but... But, like, initially. So, initially, I think when we were texting back and forth oh, when yes. the Hassan yeah. Whiteside move happened, you are like, oh, I really like this move. Like, um, you know, trading expirings for someone, for an, another expiring so that he can be a helpful player. And I was like, eh. Like, it's, it's a... It's an okay move, but I thought they could have done a little bit more with some of the expiring money, and maybe if they added someone like Simons or Gary Trent Jr. and, like, a protected first, they could have gotten something really good. But and, – and then, like, I was just kind of hammering home the point about them being a little bit short on the wings now, yeah. especially without Harkless um, and Aminu. They lost Aminu, Harkless – uh, Seth Curry's um, on Dallas now. He got a fairly big contract. Four years, thir- four years, thirty-two yeah. million from, good for from him. Dallas. Yeah, good for him. But I, those were three key road. Like I guess Aminu and Harkless were getting less time in the playoffs, but those three players were rotation pieces uh, for the Blazers last uh, last postseason. So I wonder how those three players are replaced. Um, and I, I think. This is kind of like talking with the Blazers fan and being good friends with the Blazers fan is kind of interesting because I see what Terry Stotts and that front office, Neil O'Shea, ends up trying to do with their uh, player development program in, in Portland in terms of like, all right, it's kind of like next man up. We've seen this with C.J. McCollum. We've seen this, and now it seems like what – what's going to happen is Anthony Simons and I don't know if Little's going to get time, but it seems like Simons is going to be the one that's going to be trying to fill out some of the, I guess, get some of the playing time in the rotation now. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to try and cover every single thing in one long monologue. Go ahead. All right. So I want to actually start with talking about it as a fan and maybe like that colored some of my initial excitement to some extent. And then I'll transit. I'll lay out like a lawyer. I'm going to start with talking about my reaction as a fan and then I'm going to try and transition into a defense of it from a front office perspective. But I don't think it necessarily requires a, a passionate defense. I think like your point was like, Eh, like I don't think anyone thinks it's a disastrous move, and no, I think no, some people not. see it as a good. Mo- you know what I mean? Like right. I think the range of grades is like from A to C on this mm-hmm. trade, basically. Like I don't think anyone thinks it's horrific. But let me start as a let me start as a fan. This team has been the same for so fucking long, and they've done so little to like improve it that I think it is finally exciting to get, to have swapped some of these guys out. I love Alfred Camino more than your average person, and I enjoyed Mo Harkless being a blazer. I think they're critical, especially when you look back at that like early ascendancy after the 
after LaMarcus Aldridge left and that team broke up. It was Olshea bringing them in as kind of these, not necessarily cast-offs, but undervalued players. He arguably, you could argue, like, kind of, like, foresaw the idea of this, like, combo 3-4 who can, like, switch and guard a bunch of people idea and that that's good and i enjoyed i enjoyed having them on the team i think this playoff showed like that they were getting a little stale and that it maybe was time for a change and they've brought in some exciting guys you now have hassan whiteside uh you know you've re-signed rodney hood you know and then you have kind of hazonia now anthony tolliver i think tolliver is actually a really good signing because mm-hmm. i think he gives you a ba- some backup minutes at the four possibly yep. which, is, four. which is good um but I think from that side of things, it can't like you kind of finally have some excitement surrounding the team besides the Oh, and we haven't even mentioned the, uh, what we did. I think the trade for the trade for Bazemore had just happened when we had yep, talked last yeah. week. So and you have Kent Bazemore also. So like there's a lot of new blood in there. And it's kind of interesting from from a Blazer fan perspective, because so much of like when we would talk, it was like uh, the Blazers' internal consistency and their development, and you know that there's a value to keeping a team together and all and all that stuff, and that's gonna go away a little bit. You know, you're still gonna have like Hood, you'll have Nurkic when he comes back, but like after you get past Lillard and CJ, it's like the most tenured Blazer is like Zach Collins, basically. You yeah, know? that's true. Um, so. There, there, there's more kind of moving parts here than I think meet the eye. But so let me let me say what I what I think. White's at the end of the day, my defense is I do think it is a fairly low risk move. I think this team is still going to be in the middle of the Western Conference. Like I don't necessarily think there's a chance of them making the missing the playoffs. Knock on wood. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a little bit of a step back early on as they take time to adjust. But you've had. <coughs> Whiteside is at the very least great Nurkic insurance until he comes back. Totally, totally. Offensively, can rim run like you. Like Lillard's never really had a lob threat before, and now he's gonna have a lob threat. And I think Whiteside will a do very well in Stott's system, which allows centers to drop back and basically be rim protectors, and that's Whiteside's biggest strength. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a contract year, and I think for all the like idea that Whiteside is hard to hard a hard guy to kind of manage. One Lillard and CJ to me. With maybe I can't even think of an exception. Like they've never met a guy they can't kind of bring into that culture. Mm-hmm. Once Nurkic comes back and he possibly gets relegated to the bench, all we'll bets are see. off. Yeah. But but in the meantime, yes. And I you know I think he elevates their ceiling ever so slightly. Now in terms of the forward stuff, I agree. They're they're slightly. I uh, this was an interesting point. They don't have a lot of like true forwards now anymore. You know, you have Bazemore, who's an undersized three, Hood, who's an undersized three, and then you have now, like, Collins, who's an oversized four, probably more of a five. And, yeah, that is true that the fits are going to be awkward, but I think at the end of the day, it's almost like a Utah-type argument. You, the, the fact of the matter is Harkless and Aminu were, like, fine regular season players, but, like, they could not fucking shoot or be consistent enough, especially as time went on. Yep. Harkless has been really inconsistent for the past two years. And Aminu, you saw, like, for the first time, like, 
oh, like, you know, I don't know if this guy's really playable in the playoffs. 30 so I don't think three. they yeah. gave up. Like, maybe they gave up a bit of their consistency, but I think there's enough there to, for the most part, make up for it. And the last thing I'll say, and then I can kick it over to you and you can follow up on anything you'd like or not at all. I don't think this... Sure, should they have tried to throw in Simons and get Kevin Love? Maybe. But we don't know if that was on the table, and I don't totally. think this forestalls a possible Kevin Love or or whoever else trade down the line because Whiteside is a big expiring. Would Harkless, Myers, Leonard, and... My wow! My parents just screamed at. They must be watching some sort of soccer. Event. Yeah, I don't know what baseball? soccer would baseball? be on. Why? Why would they be screaming at baseball like that? That that was. Oh, is the cop is Copa America? Yeah. Not Copa America. The Gold Cup on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be the Gold Cup. Oh yeah, the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. are playing. Um, sorry anyway. about that, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is what happens when we record at my house yeah. as opposed to Kevin's, but um. Anyway, the point I was just trying to make, and it's is Myers Leonard Harkless and you know Simons that different from like Whiteside Simons and a first rounder or whatever. You know what I mean, like. Right, right. And it's possible that Cleveland didn't wanna, didn't wanna, you know, make that trade now, and they will later on or or what have you. But I think it slightly increased their ceiling. It's kind of exciting just from a Blazery fan perspective, and I don't think it makes them materially worse, at least in the overall ways they were already weak. They have shooting. They have shooting now, finally. Like, maybe Collins and Whiteside will be a new key fit if they play that, but, like, yeah. they ha as Whiteside said in his Instagram live, we got shooters. Like, this team finally actually has, like, a pretty solid stable of guys that can shoot. Totally. Simons might have to come in and play some backup guard, but I, he, he, I'm pretty optimistic about what he could possibly bring this, this season as well. So that's my five-minute Blazer rant. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add yeah. other than I'm kind of excited to see what Simons gives them because I think he's like and and I think a lot of there was a lot of talk um, about CJ McCollum once he like moved from like fringe player to solid rotation player and he really showed his stuff um, on this Blazers team a couple years ago uh, before he's like really cemented himself as like just below a star player in the league and i think simons could have a similar impact especially with a lot of these a lot of these nba insiders talking about these reports and i think it'll be really really fascinating to see what ends up happening with him and whether or not he's going to be able to contribute to this team in his in their 15 to 20 minutes so in his 15 to 20 And minutes. we'll get a good start. I'm really excited to watch this summer league team. I oh, think yeah, it'll yeah. be fun between between Simons, Gary Trent, and Scalabca. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll be And maybe Scalabca gets some minutes at the four. He could. Because he, he can, very well he could. can stretch out the, he he very well stretch, could. Um, stretch out the uh, defense uh, from the three-point line. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um Let's hit some of the, I would say, some of the other teams. That I say we, we have. just go back and forth. Okay. And you give your take on a team and if I ha or whatever you assigning. And if I have anything to add to it, I, like, let's go lightning round for like 10 minutes and then we can then Clo we can close, call, out. close yeah. it out. Yeah. 
I think the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be sneaky good this year. Like, and I, I don't think that's like a surprising thing to say. J, they signed JJ Redick to two year, $26 million deal. And everyone thought Redick, w- it was like pretty much signed in ink thinking that Redick would go back to Philly um, and just kind of ro- run it back there. But he ends up going to New Orleans and it, it's a really intriguing fit now. Um, with that team he provides like that space the shooting especially around Zion Drew Holiday I don't know it's just like an intriguing team they they ended up getting signing or getting Derek Favors in a trade I believe um, so it's just like a really interesting team I wonder how that team is like are they a 35-1 team or are they like play pushing for the playoffs next year like I, and Drew Holiday is a good player. Like they have veteran, a nice mix of veterans and young young players. And I'm really really excited to watch that team play. No, I I think that's a good seeing, especially given how wide open the bottom of the West could be. There is a distinct possibility that the team kind of comes together a little faster than than people think it does. Um, I'd like to pivot to something kind of interesting. Okay. I, I'd like to point out that I really like what the Chicago Bulls have done in this offseason. Okay. I like the signing of Thaddeus Young. I think they now have a really great three fo- three big rotation of Young, Wendell Carter, and Laurie Markkinen. I think that's pretty cool. And I like signing Sadoransky, um a lot from, from the Wiz. I think it gives them a good stopgap starting quality player. Um, to possibly start over Kobe White or be a good backup mentor. And he gives them defense, which this team has sorely lacked. I wouldn't be surprised if this team is like almost like that makes that Netsy type leap. Now, I wasn't so high on them next year, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team is, is poised to make a leap towards playoff contention next year with those with those signings, and a point I wanted to make, Sadoransky, I think it's like three years, $29 million. I think that's arguably a better contract than Rubio's like three-year, 51 con- mm. contract. So, like, in an in a off-season where I don't think there have been that many value signings, I like that one in a lot. Can we do a quick hit on the Wiz? Sure. The Wizards. <laughs> Just the Wizards what? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, like, they signed Ish Smith. Um, IT goes there for a minimum. Uh, Thomas Bryant ends up signing, uh, re-signing with them. They've, I don't know, they they helped out the Lakers in facilitating Max Cap Room, um, taking on Mo Wagner, um, um, the the other Isaac Bonga, yeah, and uh, Jamario Jones, Jamario Jones. Those three I always names think of Jamario Moon yeah, when yeah, I yeah. say Jamario So those Jones. three names will live on in infamy <laughs> as, like, I- if the Lakers end up signing Kawhi Leonard. Um, so I don't know what this Wizards team is going to do other than, like— Other than trade Bradley Beal? Yeah, and if I'm the Wizards, like— I don't know if I'd trade Brad. Like, I, I don't know why you would. I'd, why not? Or you could argue that this is like a setting up to trade Bradley Beal. Oh, it totally. That we're putting such a horrible team around him that we're going to have no other choice. It totally could but be. But I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm no. interested in hearing why don't why would you not trade him. He's 24 years old. If like, you can trade him and get off Wall's contract at the same time, I, oh, I you think do you do pretty you d- much I think to. I think you do it, but at the same time, like... It's gonna hurt, obviously, to get off that con or to 
to to trade someone like Bradley Beal and get off the contract. I think you have to do it, but it's just like, what's the return on the trade? You're just going to end up sucking for a couple of years. Yeah, and you, you clear just the books. The we just talked yeah, yeah. about how under no, no. the right... No, I no, mean, this right, team right. doesn't even have a fucking GM, that, that's, so, that, well, so who really knows, but... Yeah, like... That's the problem. Like, if if I had Masai Ujiri leading the squad and doing that deal, then I'd be like, okay, uh, there's a, at least a clear sense of direction. I have no idea what this team. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. I want to do a quiz for you. I want to do a quick two-part two quiz. Okay. So, one, the Wizards could sign Jabari Parker, which would make their – there's kind of that tweet of, like, their roster and how horrible yeah, yeah, it looks. Yeah. Jabari. Who is the starting small forward for the Washington Wizards right now? Like, as it stands, probably, like, who oh. is number one on their depth chart? Oh, my Lord. I just keep thinking of their past two, Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter, nope. but it's not them. Is it, I mean, Hachimura is probably their He's four. a four. Troy Brown. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I, there was no way you were getting it. That's the what, just how the insane The Patriots wide receiver, Troy Brown. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. So, it's like, it, yeah, this team is pretty devoid of talent right yeah, now. Yeah, I would hate... I think they're arguably the saddest. Maybe the Hornets. Yeah, like and it's let's a tie for, like, the... the sad Terry, Ro Terry Rozier. Yeah, that's... For that much money. Yeah, it's not... No Ugh, bueno, Kevin. Not, not good. <laughs> MJ was like, yes, let's sign me up for I Terry. I think... I don't even know what the... Ra uh, th like, I guess the rationale was, like, so we can sell to our fans that, like... We got we something care. out of Kemba. Yeah. yeah. Because they should have traded him last year. Uh, like, they fucked up bad. Yeah. They fucked up really bad. Yep. If you, um, you know, whatever. We, we don't have to. I wanted to do my second part of my quiz, and then you can okay. do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah. Who is the one team in the NBA who has not signed, traded, who is the one? Do you have this up on your computer? Who um, is the one team who has not made any transition so far? Is it the Cavs? Yes. Yeah, I had it up. Yeah, I. I it just so, kind of interesting. So, so today at work, I they had can't it afford to take on any any money. So which is kind of crazy with that type of team. Yeah, and they're gonna be Blazers East, right? With yeah. Darius Garland and uh, uh, Colin Sexton. So we'll see how that experiment works out. The one team I wanted to bring up and I thought kind of got lost under the shuffle and 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 I'm curious to see like what your thoughts are. Could I take a guess? Sure. The Mavs? No. No. <laughs> but but they're in Texas. They're in Texas. The Is, Spurs? No, no, no. The he, Rock? Yeah, yeah. So so like their inactivity of like because they're just not they they're capped out. And, they and Tillman Fertitta doesn't want to go into the right. luxury tax. And they don't want to, you know, pay a bunch of money, especially after trying to leverage that Jimmy but like, float out the rumor, like, we're going <laughs> to sign Jimmy Butler to yeah. what cap space? I just found it kind of comical that they ended up, we're like, all right, let me get Austin Rivers. Sign sign me up for that. Which is hey, not that Austin Rivers deal ain't too bad. Which is not getting him on the minimum right. is really not. It's that bad. not a bad deal. It's just the fact that they're like, we're going for Jimmy Butler, and then they're like, all right, we got, we're gonna just run it back, and maybe running it back for this team is gonna be good for them, especially with like all the injuries. So I don't know, maybe they'll they'll be the top one of the top three seeds in the West, yeah. which is a, a 
big possibility. Yeah, and I agree. Seeing how the chemistry of that team plays out going forward, it will be <laughs> intriguing Chris because Paul, they really haven't yeah. done anything to change it. Yeah. I'm about ready to wrap up. Are you? I feel like I've tuckered myself out, kind y- of. Yup. I think I'm about ready. So, like... Because I have a good way to end it. If if you want to talk about one more thing, we can. Other thing, like the magic Vucevic, <laughs> like, really? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Vucevic. It's an interesting Aminu. thing to be made, like, with these signings, though. Like, they're pretty much stuck with it. The signing Russ and Vooch, like, this is arguably, like, them getting the seven seed this year is arguably, like, their high watermark, like, yep. probably. And they're, like... Because like, they don't have a lot of foreseeable ways to get better unless Markel Fultz comes back. Mo Bamba? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so... We'll see. I I don't know. I just wanted to bring them up. Yeah, to that's kind of talk about. No, that's that. fair. But that they other than so. that, there's not. We've pretty much sure. done a p- fairly comprehensive Kawhi, yes, job. Yes, and if Kawhi signs and we want to come back, like maybe we can come back and clean should up I give a few. should I give the Kawhi update if there's so anything? yeah you can. I wanted to say like to phrase it like this. I think we both predicted he would go back to the Raptors. Yeah. Do we still feel that way? I I I. St- I feel like we would have heard some sort of shift, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd put it as close to 50 50. I yeah. think the Lakers are more in play than I, I wish they were, but uh, I, I'd say it's about 50 50, and then like an even split between like 50% Raptors, 25% Lakers, 25% uh, Clips. I'm scared that he's going to go to the Lakers. <laughs> I'm just scared. Like, all maybe the, it's just me following on Twitter and all yeah. the media personalities kind of like w- are covering him going to the Lakers and they really want to see that happen. So I don't know. I, I like. You know I, what thought I just ha- keep going? Keep yeah, going. No, no. I just like, I hope he does the one and w- I think he, you know, honestly, I think he does the one and one with the Raptors, but. The only thing is when free, maybe Kawhi's just a different guy. When free agents draw it out this long, don't they normally leave? Yeah. Like, can you think of one where they've, like, Stayed. gone four days and then just said, I'm coming back? Yeah. No. I don't know. Yeah. No. Oh, fuck. He's going to go to the Lakers. Ugh. And then, like, the Lakers will be. Will, would they be number one? Like, in your mind? Like, yeah. would they be. N- yeah. Like, those three. That's the best. That's the best combination of three, like players that you can have in a big three that I can ever think of. Yeah. Just like combination of offense and defense. Yeah. So I don't know. Like and if it happens we'll have plenty but of time. The to latest talk update about it. what's the, the latest update? Latest update <laughs> not to insert the Knicks into <laughs> oh, this. Fuck. But the Knicks said that <laughs> apparently canceled their meeting with Kawhi Leonard because they were afraid that they were going to lose out on other free agents like Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, and the like. So that's the late. That was the <laughs> latest report on that. I think and my then, silence is is fair there. Yeah, and it seems like, um, like Kawhi Watch this afternoon was kind of hilarious yeah. in Toronto with like everyone following his every move. Like he was, I don't know, like he was this international like super he I is an international well, I, I don't even star. i was trying to make i don't I know what else but like he he was like i don't know like no, a fugitive sa- type of yeah, thing like sure. they're covering him like oh he's getting out of the airplane right now like all this type of stuff so i i'm curious to see like what over the next couple of days what his decision is 
and maybe he just shocks us and goes to the Clippers. But it seems like one, two, and three are Raptors, Lakers, Clippers. I would agree with that. And assessment. maybe you have the Lakers and the Raptors flipped, but it seems like no. I think I think I'd still stick that way. It's either the Raptors or the Lakers at this point. So, yeah. Other than that, there's not much else to cover free agency wise. Um, w- was there? Didn't you say you had a perfect way to close this out? I was gonna ask, what do we think is it gonna happen with the Kawhi? And okay. That was it. Yep. Not so perfect. I just thought it was a good thing g- to end on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and the latest news is that Jalen Jalen Rose says that as of four hours ago, he said that he's ninety nine percent sure that. I mean, Kawhi's gonna sign I'm sure by the time most people listen to this, given that tomorrow's 4th of July, Kawhi probably will. Have, I feel like this was as much of just a way for us to sit down and and ha- and talk about the craziness. And recap. As exactly. It may be very outdated by this point, but everything else will still hold regardless. Right. So. Totally. So I'm really excited that I had you on, Andrew. Talk Thanks, man. To talk and recap all this NBA news. We kept the energy up. I think we did. For two hours and ten minutes. I think we did. The fact that we got it in under two hours and ten minutes was, I'm ecstatic. I was expecting like a four-hour podcast, and it probably could have been if we broke down every team. But I'm I'm really excited for some of the other things that we might be able to do um, later in this offseason. Summer League's going to happen. Um, then we're going to kind of have like this dead period in August, like all this type of stuff. And then the NBA starts back up in what October. So we'll probably do some like really, I think we're going to do a couple interesting podcasts, maybe like just some on the CBA, some interesting, like maybe stuff where we'll like not read through the CBA like on the <laughs> podcast, but, <laughs> but well, we'll, as a sleep aid, right, right. But we'll kind of like point out some things that are forward thinking in the next CBA that might possibly be of interest, and maybe we'll have our guy Chris Cardone come on and we'll talk about like some combination of like guys to look out for next year. Um, for the NBA draft in college and stuff like that, and maybe do like a college. I think basketball. we should just do a Chris themed episode about like the Knicks, the Big East, and like golf. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Tiger. That'd be and fun. Yeah, that would be fun. So we'll probably have Chris Cardone come on, talk about all that type of stuff, and um, there's a lot of soccer, exciting, exciting soccer going on. Copa America finals. So there's three finals on Sunday. So I'll be on the couch on Sunday watching the Women's World Cup finals, U.S. versus Netherlands. Uh, Megan Rapino, can she stick it to Donald Trump? I um, wanted to say just I, this is like yep. a new tradition of me interrupting your. Yeah, it yeah, has totally. nothing to do with Donald Trump. I think the Alex Morgan tea sip and goal celebration, like given the context and like every, yeah. like given every surrounding, is like a top three. Sp- Sports celebration of oh all yeah time. i loved it yeah. i loved it it's a and incredible like, i loved how all the english pundits on on uh on their news media was like how disrespectful <laughs> of alex morgan to do that it was a great celebration just like it was it was just perfect timing like july 4th all that type of stuff um so they're they're playing at 11 three o'clock's gonna be the gold cup final and then or the uh the uh, Copa America final, and then 9 o'clock is going to be the Gold Cup final. So that's going to be all really interesting to watch, and I'll have the breakdown 
and coverage of that with Hedjun on probably next week talking about um, our thoughts on it. We did a soccer pod extravaganza last weekend as we talked about all the uh, transfers that have happened this off season. So the off season is ruling the day for both soccer, basketball, and yeah, it's just been really, really fun to cover. And it's been really crazy, especially in the NBA, like I've talked about and earlier on in the podcast. So um, thanks, Andrew, for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I yeah. always enjoy it. And um, we'll be back next week. And if you guys haven't subscribed or liked the podcast yet, please do that. Thanks again, guys.